Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger, and I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at AOC, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. And today on Fan Mail Friday, those questions, they come from you. And then we do our best to get you answers, advice, and good old horseplay or admonishment or tough love. And that's the way we do it. And you know, Jason, what's funny is taking my voice lesson today with Darcy. By the way, if you guys need a voice teacher for broadcasting, singing, whatever, she's awesome. And uh, she told me not to say the art of charm. She thought it sounded hoity-toity. She said, just say the art of charm, like I have been before. But we've had our <laughs> broadcasting coach said, I don't understand what you're saying when you say the art of charm. The art of charm. I don't know what you mean. The art of charm. So I'm like, ah, crap. So i got to find a happy medium. You know, I just need to rename the freaking show. That's what needs to happen. All right. Well, let's let's cut to it. Dear Jordan and the AOC team, long-time listener, first-time emailer. I'm having a challenge with a new relationship. Not too steamy. It's my soon-to-be mother-in-law. I'm a 34-year-old son of Filipino immigrants. My father jammed when I was nine, and my mother raised my older sister and I while remarrying twice before I finished high school. Not the most stable upbringing, but sadly, it's even more interesting. While putting myself through undergrad, I discovered my mother had stolen my identity and had a credit line in collections. Oof. What? Yeah, dude. Your mom? Yeah, his mom. That's terrible. At the age, Yeah. At the age of 19, I had to make a decision not to call the police on my mom, confront her directly, and pay the debt myself using refund check money from grants and scholarships. Let me pause you right here. Everyone right now is judging, and they were like, I wouldn't do that. Yes, you would, because it's your mom. It's your mom. Yep. Ugh. That's so brutal because I can totally, I, I, I can't identify my mom was awesome, but I, I can definitely understand not calling the cops on your mom. Yeah. It, but the fact that he just, he, he basically just said that he gave up his education to save his mom from going to jail. That sucks. I, I wonder what she spent the money on. I don't know, but here we go. Less than a year later, believing this nonsense was behind me, I discovered a new account also in collections. I haven't spoken to my mother since. Oh man! So he got he he basically did the right thing, saved his mom, and then she did it again. That's so crappy. Yeah, I learned the value of relationships early. I refuse to keep toxic people in my life, and I honor people I love. Thankfully, the closest people in my life are quite amazing, including my bride to be. My in-laws fled Vietnam as refugees and overcame more than I'll ever know for a better life. They maximized the opportunity, creating successful businesses and raising three wonderful children, the oldest of which I get to marry next summer. Isn't that sweet? Yes. Last weekend, my fiancé kind of dropped the ball for her mom's 60th birthday celebration. She was slow to finalize arrangements and invite guests. I was also in the doghouse for not responding to mom's texts and phone calls in a timely manner. Father-in-law was cool and broke it down, explaining what is expected of me as their son-in-law and asked that I apologize to mom. I agreed and made my heartfelt apology in private. Her response was combative. You say that now, but you really going to do it? I can just see this. I am imagining that happening in <laughs> I know like can. an angry Vietnamese voice. Uh-huh. For the rest of the day, I was trapped in their home, my mind trying to comprehend what the hell just happened, plus stewing about all the bullshit my own mom pulled on me. Not just the identity theft, but manipulation and verbal abuse commonly dished out by Asian moms. 
Well, you're marrying into another family with an Asian mom, so get used to that. My question is, how do I manage my relationship with my in-laws? In addition to cultural and generational gaps, simply communicating can be difficult as their English isn't great. How do I keep my own upbringing out of my new situation? How do I discuss these issues with my wife without making her feel worse about something she can't control? I don't want to put her in the middle. I also don't want to have anger or animosity towards her for what her parents do. I'm traveling to Vietnam with the family the first two weeks of November. I'd love to have a strategy or exercise to default to. I fear losing my cool and letting emotions get the best of me. Thank you so much for any advice you're able to share. I hope this helps other friends of the podcast as well. Best regards, stuck between a rock and a hard ass. <laughs> did you think of that one or did he do that one? Of course I thought of that one. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So I'm going to sound a little naive here, but I think you should try to have a heart to heart with her. It's going to be totally foreign though, because a lot of times, and I'm stereotyping because I did marry into an Asian family as well. Going for the heart-to-heart with Asian family can be a little bit like, whoa, what's happening right now? But I think it might be appropriate, and and you should just say, look, you know, my mom did all this crazy stuff, so I'm not used to having a close relationship. You're the closest thing I have to a mom that actually cares about some of this stuff, and I wasn't expecting it. Because she thinks you didn't do it because you are disrespectful, and I'm going to control you with guilt, right? Yes, yes. But- If you say, look, I don't respond well to that because my own mom was doing all this weird shady stuff and it was really bad for me, so I'm kind of scarred by this, they might not go, oh, we feel so bad now, you're part of our family, hugs, 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 but they might say, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't try to be a crazy hard ass and control you this way because it's not really that you need to be controlled with guilt, it's that you just didn't learn this because you actually had a a kind of a shit situation earlier. Now, that might be naive and she you might achieve nothing by this, but you won't lose anything from doing this. What I'm thinking though is if he goes that route and says I'm doing this because I was in situation X, he might be able to just say though, I'm so sorry. We were busy, we were getting ready for the wedding and I am so sorry. You are the closest thing that I have to a mother because of all of the bad things that happened to me, and I want you right. to be my new mother and and do that. And I want to start fresh, right, from that. Yes. As long as that's true. If it's not true, then then no. But if, if it is true, then... I think it might be, because he seems to be willing to work with her. Oh, yeah. But as soon as he said something, he got shade back. So he's just like, you know, he's like snapped back because he's got the, all of that animosity to his original mom, his OG mom, And he's like, oh, this is happening again with my new mom. And it's like, oh, man, this sucks. But if he can go say, hey, look, I didn't have a mom. My mom was really bad. Yeah. But if you can be my new mom and we can all be a family, that's going to be great. Let's just, you know, I'm sorry I didn't call in the birthday thing. That was uh, my bad. You know, whatever. You shrug and say, hey, look, you know, 61 is going to be awesome. 60 sucks, but... Of course, but, you know, he can do that. But and just be be honest with the fact that, you know, he needs her as his new mom, because honestly, as somebody without a mom, I think that would be the best thing that he could do. And I bet he wants one because it sucks to be without a mom. Yeah, you know that firsthand. We don't have to go into your dirty laundry here yet. But um, but you do know that firsthand. And I think, look, also, you can keep your wife out of it because 
You said yourself, last weekend my fiance kind of dropped the ball for her mom, da da da, and you didn't respond to mom's phone calls and texts. You're just, you are the proxy. She's mad at her daughter. She's not really, she's mad at you, but only because you're there. So I think keep your wife out of it, your fiance out of it. Go talk to mom privately. You don't have to even do it while dad's there. You can even say, uh, yeah, don't, you don't, we don't have to tell, uh, your wife's name that we talked about this if you don't want to because you can kind of make it oh, this is our little secret you know that we're doing it this way that way she, mom's like oh good I like you I can trust you you know you're we're, we're good like that that'll be really good and if you do explain this because the way that I sort of dealt with my in-laws and they're great they're Jenny's parents are great but they, they're, they're you know, awesome they're from, you have the best in-laws by the way I know I got super <laughs> lucky but also, when they kind of didn't like something about what I was doing and I heard about it secondhand, I would say, hey, you know, this is something that I think that is pretty normal, but if you really don't like it or if it looks bad in front of the rest of the family, you know, I'll cut my hair this other way. I, I don't care. It's not part of my identity. It doesn't mean much to me. And they were like, no, 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 no. We just didn't know that, you know, long hair because you're white and it's weird to have this kind of hair. And they made some comment like that. And so as soon as it was I shone a light on it, they were kind of like, it doesn't matter. But okay. before, when I didn't say anything, they were like, oh, we don't like this hair. We don't like this dress. We don't like this. But as soon as I said, oh, do you not like the way that I dress? They were like, oh, well, we didn't realize that you worked from home. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> but when you meet new relatives, sometimes they judge people because, you know, you don't look like a professional. And I'm like, oh, well, then I meet, when I meet new relatives, I'll dress nicely. Just let us know when that's going to happen. And I'll dress better and I'll shave. And they were like, oh, okay. It didn't even occur to them to talk about the problem. They just kind of wanted to bitch about it. Don't make a show out of it for her, for the husband or for your fiance. Let them find out when your mom and when the mother-in-law starts talking about how great you are. Then the father will go, good, my, my work is done. And your wife will go, thank God, you know, you'll win. You'll win. You don't have to make a big show out of it. Trust me, I've done this similar, very similar thing myself with my own Asian in-laws. And I'm not Asian. So you have that going for you as well. All right, next up. Hey, Jordan, my question is really simple. How do you deal with a person that's constantly asking for favors but has yet to provide any real value in return? Here's the background. This somewhat client of mine was asking me to see a bunch of houses and put in offers, but he eventually ended up buying a house at auction in which I couldn't represent him due to the auction company not paying my commission. I still walked him through the transaction and helped him out as best I could. I eventually helped him with managing some renovations and told him to just give me a very low amount since I mostly wanted to do it to help him out. We since completed the renovation and now he's constantly asking me for favors. Should I continue to do them? I'm trying really hard to not be transactional and think about what's in it for me, but at what point do I draw the line? I mean, sometimes the guy doesn't even ask me for things, but just tells me to do it, which kind of pisses me off. I hate feeling that I may be getting taken advantage of, but I definitely don't want to ruin the relationship either, if there even is one. Any advice or tips would be incredibly appreciated. Sincerely, the sucker next door. Yeah, okay. So this is, you're definitely getting taken advantage of. And the tell, the tell is that he doesn't ask, but tells you to do something. And you're in situations where you're getting nothing out of it but he's continuing to ask you for things. Now, this doesn't mean that this person is a taker. It sounds like they are a taker. 
but it does mean that they understand that there's nothing in this for you and they're only looking for their own benefit. You don't have to worry about the relationship so, so much because you're never going to get a benefit most likely from this which is fine because we do talk about not keeping score and not trying to get something from a relationship, but I wouldn't say you have to be able to count on specific types of help, but you should count on them at least being nice and trying to help. This person is a taker, right? Because they're not respecting any of your boundaries, right? So you, you're not really ruining the relationship because the relationship is based on you doing everything they want and probably never getting anything in return. It's different than somebody who's asking you for a lot of things, and then you think, yeah, but I've known them for a really long time, and they don't always ask me for things, or yeah, but you know, I'm gonna do something, he's gonna do something for me later, and we've already kind of talked about it, or he could do something for me later, but I don't really know what that is, but he's a really nice person. There's none of that going on here. This is just some guy in a business relationship asking you for a bunch of stuff, and then, no real benefit on the horizon. The difference is they're not respecting your boundaries. That That's the difference between this and, and not keeping score in a regular relationship. If I said, hey, Jason, could you stay up late and work on something for me? You might go, crap, well, this is unpaid and it sucks, but yeah, I mean, we're friends and you know, you're asking me for this thing. But if I did that constantly and you were not on the AOC payroll and I never called you to hang out, you'd be like, F you, bro. Yep. You know, yep. so there's the difference there because I'm not respecting that boundary. But if I said, hey, look, I hate to ask you this again, but I really need this. And if that even then that only goes so far. Right. So he obviously thinks you work for him if he's not asking but telling. He's very self-centered because he's not trying to even remotely show you that maybe there's something in this for you. He's just expecting you. So it sounds like it's really entitled. The, my rule is if you feel like you're being taken advantage of, you probably you probably are. are yeah. The one thing that he doesn't mention in this email is what he would want in return. What What is the quid pro quo? Because he doesn't say Maybe anything about- Maybe there isn't one. Yeah. Well, th that's fine. Maybe there isn't one, and he doesn't want to ruin the relationship for the future. He thinks maybe this person will eventually hire him to blah, 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 sell or buy a house. And that's fine, but- it's more likely that this person who's not respecting any of your time or your boundaries is just going to hire someone who's cheap. Yeah. Because it sounds like he's a self-centered self-centered person. Yeah, it's just it's just, there's no there's no like counterbalance here. It's like, you know, he could have helped me with this, he could have helped me with that, but there's none of that in the email, so it's kind of hard to tell Yeah, it's hard what, to tell. what he was expecting in return. But even if you're expecting yeah. it, even if you're expecting something in return and you don't get it, that is the whole keeping score mentality. And, right. But this guy is definitely taking advantage of the, the tell is that he doesn't ask nicely and doesn't show the appropriate amount of respect that you would show. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. He, t he said he just tells me to do it. Well, guess what? Then he's taking advantage of you. Yeah. He clearly thinks that this is within your scope of work as his real estate agent to do free stuff for him that has no ROI for you. So he thinks you have to. And that means that he feels like he doesn't know you squat. In fact, it means it probably thinks he he probably thinks you're slow and you need to work faster. I bet if we can get inside his head, he'd be disappointed with your performance, which is bad news <laughs> for you, buddy. Adios on that one. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. 
Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. All right, Jason, next up. Hey, guys, I'm a 33-year-old CPA business owner in Scotland. I'm the youngest owner of an accountancy firm. I employ other full-time CPAs and everything is going great professionally and the business is on track to scale to a good level over the next few years. Congratulations. Congratulations. However, I used to drink a fair bit of alcohol. He's from Scotland. What do What's you that expect? Like? <laughs> I, as I sip my brandy. <laughs> oh, brand- oh, you're back on the brandy. Oh, That's God. all we had in the cupboard. <laughs> honestly, it's I ran out of the whiskey. Okay. I feel like, okay. I feel like an old man. When we're done with this, uh, Mr. 33-year-old CPA business owner in Scotland, send Jordan some actual whiskey, please. Yeah, yeah, McAllen. However, I used to drink a fair bit of alcohol Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I would come home after working 10 to 12 hours and being at the gym, then immediately decide to shotgun a bottle of cheap champagne. You are not Scottish, sir. I'm sorry. No. (laughs) What? Have you ever met a Scotsman who, who shotguns, who shotguns cheap, champagne. cheap champagne, followed by a few beers and play some Xbox or PlayStation? Oh, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Shotgunning an entire bottle of champagne and then drinking a few beers—you're that is a fair that is a fair bit of alcohol if you're doing that three days plus a week. But he's in Scotland. This is not yeah. this is not Scottish behavior. I'm sorry. I don't know. All right, continue. I would then go out every Friday and Saturday to bars and drink more while catching up with different groups of friends every weekend. Wait, so pause. You drink five days a week. Yep. Yeah, that's too much. Okay, continue. Apart from being a booze hound, there were no material impacts on my personal or professional life or relationships. Yet. I was still working 55 to 60 hours per week and going to the gym five days a week. Yeah. After doing this for about four or five years... I noticed my energy levels were not where they should be, and I could be doing even more to improve myself, so I decided to dramatically cut back on alcohol. Congratulations, by the way. This wasn't especially easy, and there were many slip-ups along the road. However, Mm. I started smoking weed and have now replaced the champagne and beer with a bong, some munchies, (sighs) and a quiet night in. Okay. I now have a lot more energy as I'm not feeling like shit due to drinking. I'm cranking out 65 to 70 hours a week. My fitness levels and overall psychological and physiological composition are the best they've been in years. I do, however, feel like I've replaced one vice for another. I'll put my question very simply. 
I'm doing everything I'm meant to be doing and my life has improved. Do you see a problem with me getting high every day? I try to take one day off at least once every two weeks. And if I'm traveling away for work for a few days, I have no problem not smoking weed. Thanks, guys. High and dry, a.k.a. wake and bake. Yeah, I do have a problem with that. I Here's the good side, right? You don't have a problem taking a few days off. Got it. This is both a habit and an addiction. And I, I separate the two because a habit is something that you can stop without issue, which is why you can take a couple of days off, no problem. But it's an addiction because I think it's more, it sounds like it's a psychological addiction. I think where you just bored. He's bored. He's he wants bored. to feel differently every day because otherwise it's a routine. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of experience with this. He is yeah. bored. And he's Scottish. Yeah. When you're Scottish and bored, you go to the booze and you go to the Xbox. You can rationalize it easily. So if your vice was a bag of chips, it'd be different, but it'd still be bad for you. Weed can affect brain chemistry, though. That's that's a different. It's, it's probably not that bad. I'm just going to be honest. But doing something every day, that's going to have some sort of effect. Even if it's just, look, I don't want to get into the weed debate. Even if it's just the particulate matter in your lungs from smoking anything, it'll it, that's bad for you. And it'll affect your sleep cycle negatively, which is what a lot of potheads have to deal with if they smoke late at night. My question is, why do you need a vice like this? What hole is that filling? And you don't need to quit cold turkey. Look, if you like weed, I don't care. Try edibles. It might be hard to get in Scotland. Those are, those are more potent, though, than smoking. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking about the effect. I think he likes feeling differently because he's bored, but I, I think the question here is, what do you get from being high? Do you even? I wonder if he even likes being high or if he just wants to feel a different way than he does the rest of the day. Okay, I'm going to go back to the initial sentence that he, that he wrote in with. He's a 33-year-old CPA. This guy needs some excitement in his life, so... I think yeah. he needs to move out and find something else to really excite him. Because I know, look, this isn't being me, me being glib. I know a lot of CPAs. I know a lot of accountants. I know a lot of people in business. You get bored doing the same shit every week, every day, tax returns and all that stuff. You need to find something that is going to excite you. This is why a lot of people that I know uh, in the, you know, basically the accounting business are the best Spartan runners that I've ever met. Oh, like, I know. These guys, I these that. guys go out and they just basically run through mud. They're tough mutters. They're Spartan runners. They're they're doing tons of physical stuff because their job is so mind-numbingly boring. And in Scotland, as a CPA, dude, get out and do some fun stuff that's physical. That I mean, you have the best like terrain in the world to go out. I, I mean, if I could, if, if Jordan right now gave me a million dollars and said, Jason, where would you move? And we could do the show from, I would say Inverness because I love Scotland It is one of my favorite places in the world. So you have this beautiful, you know, landscape to just go get out and go do stuff. So I recommend just getting outside and changing it up and not playing PlayStation or Xbox because it's just, you're killing time until you're dead. That's all you're doing at this point. <sighs> well, I agree with the boredom thing. I do think he needs to find something else. However, I'm not as anti-vice here. I just want him to examine what the vice is, what the vice fills. I'm glad you're not drinking as much. I, I'm not a big weed guy, but I'm not against it. I really don't care. I think it's 
if you're going to do that, it's better for you than most other things. However, better than drinking, for sure. Yeah. Really, though, you got to, as I sip my brandy, you do need to figure out what you get from being high. What do you, because I really think that you just are bored with the way that you feel and you want to feel something else. Mm-hmm. And I understand that very clearly. I really do at a visceral level. So examine that because you might find that there's something else that needs to be addressed or you might just realize, yeah, you're bored and maybe there isn't anything you can do about it right now. But I think you should start thinking in that direction. Uh, I'm not going to give you permission to continue to medicate yourself away from that because what your body and mind are telling you is you need something else and you're not getting it and you're filling it. I know as cliche as it sounds, you're filling it with weed, which is is just going to make you more bored and have other effects that you don't like as a high achiever. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I'm not a weed guy either, but I know that the times I do weed, the last thing I want to do is be proactive. Get anything. I can, I can I can tell that you're not a weed guy because you just said do weed. <laughs> Nobody exactly. says that. <laughs> when I do weed, bro. It's yeah. No. <laughs> I don't want it. Don't do the weed. Don't don't be doing that weed, boy. Don't be doing the weed. <laughs> Stay away from that weed, boy. All right. Question number four. All right. Dear Jordan and the AOC team, I just listened to Fan Mail Friday 136 and would like to share some additional resources that may be useful to the lost corpsman specifically for his struggles with PTSD, depression, and self-treatment with alcohol. Warrior's Heart and Mission 22 are both fantastic organizations run by vets to help vets and first responders get the treatment and tools they need to overcome PTSD without relying on substance dependency. There are other nonprofit organizations out there, but Warrior's Heart and Mission 22 are the two that I'm most familiar with and are doing great work. Their people are awesome, and I'm sure we'll be also happy to steer the Lost Corman towards related organizations for vets in his community if needed. Thanks for doing what you do. Best regards, Vet Ambassador. Yeah, and then he drops two URLs to Warrior's Heart and Mission 22, both.com. Uh, and we'll link to those in the show notes as well, so you can find those there. I wanted to include this because I think that there's we get a ton of notes from vets that are struggling with PTSD and depression. Yeah, we do, yeah. And alcoholism for that matter. And all that stuff is linked. I mean, there's I don't know if that's science, but for look, that that has to be linked because I feel like my inbox is half filled with PTSD, depression and self-medicating with alcohol from There's that. just so many of them and we've had so many of so many of our guests actually have have gone through this, you know. It's it's really tough and you know, any organization that's local to you, give them a shot. You know, you have to try. So we'll link to Warrior's Heart and Mission 22, and you can just Google those things, and I'm sure you'll find them as well. But uh, there's help out there. Don't don't give up, man. You know, you, you served us. We're trying to serve you. We just don't know how. So please stick with us. Yeah. And uh, all is not lost. You know, it's it's temporary. I know that sounds cliche, but we can fix pretty much anything. Medicine is marvelous. Next up. Okay, sticking with the theme here. Hi, AOC. I listen to you guys all the time, and I look forward to FMF each week. I wanted to respond to the nine-year vet who has been struggling since separating from the military. I'm a Navy widow. My husband was in the Navy for 12 and a half years and killed while on deployment in 2013, five days before our 10-year wedding anniversary. Oh, man. He left me with a six-year-old son and a -a two-and-a-half-month-old son that he never met. While our situations are different, as time has moved forward, I can identify with this veteran. 
I have since started getting involved in volunteering with a lot of veteran service organizations or VSOs. Many of these orgs are great and are a much better option than the VA. Just like myself, many veterans go through an identity crisis when they leave the service. When you are told what to do, where to do it, how long to do it, what to wear, etc., and all this is part of just something so much greater than yourself, it can be a tremendous struggle when you are left to figure out life on your own. You are now out in the civilian world with many people who just don't get it. Add things such as PTSD, injuries, etc., and it's no wonder the suicide rate for veterans is so high. I highly recommend not only looking at therapy, but also VSOs in his area. There you get to be among others who have served and who do get what this gentleman is going through. These organizations look at not giving a handout, but a hand up. I highly recommend the Travis Mannion Foundation and Team RWB. TMF does so much in terms of helping veterans redefine who they are post-military. They recently did a veterans retreat to Colorado where there's a lot of outdoor activity among other vets as well as a service component. Even if there isn't a local office for you, there is the ability to participate in events such as these. They do a lot of transition workshops and help with employment. Team RWB is also nationwide and focus on getting vets out and doing healthy activities. There is no need to worry about your injuries limiting you because these places have seen it all. Don't give up. There's a wonderful chapter of life ahead of you. Just ride the wave and you will get there. I'm so incredibly grateful for the service you and so many others give our nation. There are many opportunities out there and I am happy to help this veteran find the right one. Sincerely, a gold star wife. That is one of the sweetest letters. There was a lot we had to cut from it because it was so long, but I love that this Navy widow reached out to this guy having a hard time to help him. That is amazing. Yeah. No, I, I, I literally had to get a tissue when I was yeah, doing this. It, when it, the first time I was going through this, I'm just like, damn, you know. I, I, I feel like a schlub not being, not being in the military when I read right? this. Right? Incredibly kind. Yeah. Incredibly kind and... and the because you think, man, she could be really bitter about this kind of thing. No, and I mean, she lost her husband right before her anniversary and 10 year anniversary. Yeah, it's with terrible. kids and stuff. It's just a shame. Bless you for that. That's incredible. Uh, all right, next up, let's do something simple, please. Okay, this is about as simple as it gets. How much eye contact is too much eye contact? I'm in school and I ask my professors a lot of questions all the time. I always ask myself, Am I making too much eye contact? I used to never break eye contact in conversations until it was brought to my attention that it makes people uncomfortable, especially considering that I'm a bigger man. I do, however, feel it comes across as rude to look away from someone when they are taking their time to answer your questions. Is there a recipe for a good amount of eye contact? And where and when should you glance away, if at all? Thanks so much. Yeah, so this is the eye color drill that we have at the Art of Charm. It's part of the Art of Charm challenge. If you want more like this, you can go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Essentially, this is the proper amount of eye contact for people who aren't sure and they're doing it manually. You need to look at people in the eye long enough to notice their eye color, and then you can look at them while they're talking 
and then while you're talking, you can look in any direction you want. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, if you look behind you, it's going to look weird. But while you're talking, look wherever you need to to do whatever you need to do. There's, it would be great if you looked at them here and there, but it doesn't really matter that much. While they're talking, look at them, and in the very beginning, look in their eye long enough to notice their eye color, and that's the appropriate amount of eye contact. It does vary here and there, but this is a great sort of manual drill to learn the appropriate amount of eye contact where people don't think, wow, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? He never looked at you in the eye, or wow, that guy never broke eye contact. This should give you a basic drill to practice this, and eventually you'll get the hang of it. So you're right. It's not that rude to look away, but if you look while they're talking and then you look away while you're talking, more or less, and you do it in a non-robotic way, you look back and forth here and there, then once you do the eye color drill, you'll find this is getting a lot easier and you won't feel awkward about it because they won't notice. Yeah. One thing I notice, I do this drill all the time because I'm a bigger dude. I do it at the grocery store because you have a few seconds when you can look at somebody when they're when you put your groceries down. And you can look them directly in the eye because they're always going to ask, how you doing? How you doing? You know, that whole thing. But you can look at them, make direct eye contact, and then you have an excuse to look down because you're looking at the keypad to put your payment information in. There you go. So that gives you that kind of that. That's the, the beat, you know, that I can look at you long enough. I can see your eye color and then I have a beat to look away and then put my credit card in. If you start practicing that. And do that when you're out in other situations. It'll just be natural. Totally. Yeah, I like that. I dig that. Do we have a documentary of the week, Jason? I have not. I've been on the road. Okay. I don't have a documentary of the week. What I have is a new Netflix series called Mind Hunter. This is one of the best series I've ever seen. It is. I'm sorry. It's David Fincher. If you've ever watched Fight Club, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it This follows two FBI agents in the 70s who go around profiling people who are serial killers before they even had the term serial killers. They were series killers was what they called them in the show. It's amazing. And if you're a Hamilton fan, Jonathan Groff is the, the lead detective in this. He is the molder in there. So and he also played uh, King uh, was it King George III in uh, Hamilton. But yeah. It is amazing. So if you want to learn about psychology and how like serial killers work, I don't mm. know if that's up your in your bag or if you're a Dexter fan, but it's that's amazing. Bag. It's yeah. amazing. You have to watch this show. Interesting. Well, good. I'll check it out as well. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget you can email us Friday at the Art of to get your questions answered on the air, I keep everyone anonymous, or you can make up your own funny name. Jason's good at that, obviously. If it's feedback for the show, we're fans of strong opinions loosely held. We love to argue like we're right and listen like we're wrong. So don't be shy to hit us up over here. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF139. Quick shout out to Jeremy, the self-improvement forester, he calls himself. He says, I listen to the show during long 12-hour days overseeing tree planting crews cool who are replanting after timber harvest in northern california oh uh maybe they're not doing that right now because everything's on fire i have immense respect for the hard work my tree planters do but being that they are all migrant workers who speak very little english conversation is lacking so aoc keeps me company and teaches me to better myself i really hope you didn't uh get caught in all of these insane fires that were happening here yeah. recently. Jeez. No, definitely. Wow. Well, 
here's the upside. You're going to have a lot more trees to plant very soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The upside is you're going to be very busy. Very we keep busy. Making, we keep making podcasts, so you're going to have plenty of time to listen. Oh, man. What a what a disaster that is. Yeah. Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit me up. We'd love to shout you out. And if you're out there planting trees in a field of ashes, I feel you. I'd love to hear from you either way, frankly. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. It's a great way to engage with the show. I'm on Instagram at Jordan Harbinger. And Jason, you're on Twitter as well, correct? I'm on Twitter at JPDef. That's J-P-D-E-F. And thanks for all the uh, AOC family who have uh, followed me. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. And uh, you can check out my tech news podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. We're out every Monday. Go to GOG.show to find out how to subscribe. All right. Also, don't forget about the Art of Charm Challenge. Text AOC to 38470 in the States. You can also go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. It's about becoming better at making personal and professional connections, applying what you hear on the show to your everyday life, becoming a better networker, becoming better at the, the whole charisma thing, social capital, networking. It's for both guys and gals, so check that out. Text AOC, that's AOC, to the number 38470, or just go to com slash challenge. More from AOC at The Art of Charm, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every single week here in L.A. with AJ and Johnny. If you really want to dig into this stuff and work on your AOC skills with us as your coaches, that's at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. We accept cryptocurrencies for programs and products. Stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.